You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. All the disciples, I'm glad to be here this morning with my family. Amen. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We had an incredible weekend. Of course, uh, it was a, a little sunny on Friday. It was a little sunny on Thursday. It was a little sunny on Wednesday. It was sunny all, all week. And it's even sunny today. And I started thinking, is it always sunny in London, England? And then uh, one of my English brothers gave me a reality check and said, bro, don't get used to it always being sunny here. But uh, we are encouraged that it is always sunny in our hearts. And we're always fired up about the Lord. Of course, we had a uh, Saturday. We had an incredible time. We had over uh, some of our married disciples, some of our friends. And of course, we uh, we had just an incredible feast for the Lord right there. I made some barbecued chicken right there. I got up early in the morning to prepare it right there. And then, of course, you don't have an incredible feast unless mom comes on into the feast. And so we had mom right there, Mama Kukoye right there. Mama Kukoye came and she made some chocolate cake and I had one slice and then a second slice and a third slice and I almost had a piece this morning. I mean, it was an incredible feast we had right there. But uh, I, it, what it said to me is that, wow, we, we, we have such, and we had such an incredible time sharing about our marriages and what, what, what great memories we had with one another. And of course, I shared about one of my greatest memories with my, my best friend, my, 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 uh, my wife, Michelle Williamson, right here. And I shared about our wedding night, baby. And we got singles in the house, so I'll keep it uh, rated G right there. Amen. But uh, I mean, I'm still fired up about that wedding night. But uh, you know, all the brothers were sharing, the sisters were sharing, and then I just looked around, I go, wow, what an incredible group of friends you have in the kingdom. And you know, you know you're in the kingdom when you always have friends. And of course, that's how it was in Acts chapter two. It says, enjoying the favor of all the people, celebrating, they, they were fired up about God's kingdom and God's church, and yet, before I become a Christian, I didn't always have friends. I didn't always have people that really cared about me. I didn't always have people that loved me with the love of the Lord. They loved me with the love of the world, but not the love of the Lord. Are you guys with me here this morning? And so uh, I, I've just entitled our charge today, our message today, Always. I've just entitled it, Always. We're going to pick it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And of course, if God isn't always leading you, you got to ask yourself, who is? He says, through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. And to those who are perishing, to one, we are the smell of death. I mean, it's just, I mean to, 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 it's just, to certain people, it's just the smell of death. Kind of like Campus Brothers trainers right there. You get a whiff of those football trainers and you smell death right there. Says so to the other, we are the fragrance of life. I mean, the smell of my wife on that wedding night. I mean, she just smelled like a beautiful flower. And for those who are being saved, I mean, it's just like, wow. That is amazing. Who's equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we don't peddle the word of God for profit. 
Yet we know that all over London, England, and all over the world, there are preachers who peddle the word of God for money. They're in it for the money and they preach a prosperity gospel. A gospel where God will give you all this money, yet in Luke chapter 14, he says you can't be a disciple unless you're willing to give up everything. That's a true gospel message. That says you got to be willing to go anywhere, give up everything for the sake of Jesus Christ. Are you with me here, church? We don't peddle the word of God for profit. And if it is profit, it's the fact that we want to be rich in heaven. And yet there are only three things that are eternal. God, the word of God, and the souls of men. So to be rich towards God means to be rich in saving souls. To bring a lot of people to heaven. So we don't peddle the word of God. I just thought I'd share that with you right there this morning. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God and the church said. I mean, right here, Paul just tells the church, you got to celebrate. God always leads us in triumphal procession. Whether things are uncertain in your life, whether things are tough in your life, it's still God leading you in triumphal procession in Christ. Are you with me here, church? Of course, we got to ask the question, what was a triumphal procession? How did, why was Paul saying this? What was he trying to really say to the Christians, to the disciples at that time? Of course, a triumphal procession was something that you would get as a Roman soldier. And... This was not just some, some, you know, just a, a song where you say we love you with the love of the Lord. This was a cranking celebration. And it was a basic parade that went around the city that would honor an incredible victory. That's what a triumphal procession was. There were conditions to that triumphal procession. Number one, you had to win victory on foreign soil. Okay, if you're a Roman soldier, you would have had to have brought in a victory for the army on foreign soil. Number two, you had to kill at least 5,000 enemies. Since you kill 5,000 enemies, you got a huge parade. You got a huge celebration. You had to make a decisive mark by gaining new territory for your emperor or for your country. You had to make a decisive mark. There had to be an expanding of what you did. Number, number four, the parade would include the showing of the spoils of battle. So you would show those defeated enemies, those defeated kings, those defeated, you would show the spoils that you brought back from the battle. And lastly, if all these things were put together as a Roman soldier, then the general was entitled to a triumphal procession. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Of course, the procession would include the commander riding his chariot around all the other officers that helped him in that battle. And of course, the priests would parade around the city as well, uh, as well burning incense to really pay tribute to such a great, a great victory. And triumph always took the same route through the city. It was the same circuitous route. So people kind of, when they saw that triumph coming, they, they, they would recognize it. And you go, okay, well, how does this apply to me as a disciple? How does this apply to us in the ministry? Well, number one, Paul was trying to help the people to celebrate. Paul was trying to help the people go, wait, 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 wait. God always leads us. I mean, I know you see the triumphal procession in the world's eyes there. And of course, we got the Olympics. Everyone's celebrating the Olympics. And we can see that here. Everyone's triumphant. He says, no, God always leads us in triumphal procession. Of course, Paul was trying to help them to understand that they needed to celebrate. In a spiritual sense, who 
who is our great commander, who has come to foreign soil. Of course, that's Jesus Christ. And that foreign soil is the earth. Who is that commander who won such a decisive victory over the enemy? Of course, that is Jesus Christ. And that was at the cross. Are you guys with me here? Who are the spoils of war? Who, who, who are those that, 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 that show that the victory has been won? It's sold out disciples in every nation. So you are the showing of Jesus's victory. The fact that you are a sold out disciple. And of course, instead of Jesus killing 5,000 enemies, he fed 5,000 who were hungry. And of course, 3,000 gathered at Pentecost, and then shortly after that, another 2,000 men were, or 2,000 were added to their number right there in the book of Acts. There's another 5,000 right there. So we see that even literal, in a literal sense, God always leads us triumphantly in battle. Is this your attitude? Always triumphant. Always successful with God. God always leads me in triumphal procession. When things don't make sense, God is still leading me. And I'm still celebrating. When things are, are, are a little challenging to my faith, God, God is always leading me. And I'm still celebrating. You know when you celebrate, you sing. You know how it is. You're in the shower. You start singing that little tune to yourself, you know, and you, you're feeling good about yourself. And so singing comes from the heart. So I always can understand where, where I'm at when I'm not singing. When I'm not celebrating. When I'm not saying God is always leading me. And of course when God's not leading me, I'm not celebrating. Yet the Bible says God always leads us in triumphal procession. You know, I, I just got to lift up our brother Jamil right there. You know, Jamil had every reason to go, God, why have you done this to me? Why has this happened? Why has that happened? Yet Jamil walks on in, kind of hobbles on in, actually, with his cane, with that smile on his face. Every time I've had a chance to speak with Jamil, he just shared what God is teaching him through the pain, what God is showing him through the adversity. And of course, I see that Jamil gets his good looks from that, that lady sitting right next there to him. And you just see a man that has every excuse to go, God isn't really leading me, yet he isn't making that excuse. And he's fired up for the Lord. Of course, this also speaks to us with the Paralympics. I mean, that, 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 just, that, that, that just moves my heart. These are people who can make every excuse about their life, but they get out there and they go, we can do it. And they make no excuses. And yet as Christians, we got to ask ourselves if our view of God is this one. God always is leading me in triumphal procession. You guys still with me here? Turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, point number 1. Always rely on God. How do we rely on God? Well, let's see how this guy relied on God. Colossians chapter 4. It's in the back of your Bible. Go eat popcorn. That's the acronym right there. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Just wanted to help you on out right there. I saw, I saw some folks wrestling right there with the scripture, but we got to see our first point here, always rely on God. Check it out in verse 10. It says, my fellow prisoner, Aristica sends his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. 
You received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. He says, you need to let this guy place membership. And therein lies where we get that. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. There are only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. And we stop right there. I mean, this guy was always wrestling in prayer. Always going to the Lord in prayer. Just to say, God, I need your help. God, I need you to move. And of course, I read that and I go, that's not my attitude. <laughs> I, I'm not always, sometimes I can, I, can, I can wrestle with my emotions. I can wrestle with my finances. I can even begin to, at, at time, if there's conflict, I can want to just kind of persuade someone my way instead of wanting to wrestle in prayer. And yet, one of the reasons why we need God is to fix it. <laughs> and sometimes the simplest answer is just to wrestle in prayer. Not to wrestle with an individual. You know, I'm reminded of a time when I studied the Bible and became a Christian and I tried to, to, to convince my mother that, that the decision I made to become a Christian was, was a real decision and that this was a church for me. Simply because it taught the truth. And I, and, I, and I exposed her to the fact that some of the things in the church I was going to were not even in the Bible. They weren't even written in the scriptures. So mom, this isn't even in the Bible. And yet, and so I became a disciple and so she didn't really see it. She didn't see it. And so I just got in there and I tried to argue with her and I tried to persuade her and I tried to, and, and literally it was a, an emotional wrestling match with my mom. Instead of me wrestling in prayer for her soul. You say, what happened? Well, it hurt my relationship with her. It hurt my relationship. Because I thought, now I'm a Christian, now I'm a disciple. I'm going to talk her into the kingdom. No, no, no. I had to show it by my example. And my mom didn't come to church until I came a more loving son. Until I told her how much I appreciated her. Until I told her how much I cared. Until I started bringing flowers to her. See, love never fails, the Bible teaches. And so I had to realize, if I'm failing, I'm not loving and instead of wrestling in prayer and, and being close to God and, and, and always relying on God, I was relying on my own, my own mouthpiece. And that caused problems. And yet we see Epaphras here just bringing up a great principle that we have to always be wrestling in prayer, always reliant on God. We've got to go to him in prayer in the morning. And I know you went to the Lord this morning in prayer. Amen. Amen. Judging by the look on some of your faces, I can tell you've, you've, any, you've went to the Lord in prayer this morning right there. I said, you got a tie and shirt on there. You're all cleaned up there. Amen right there. We've always got to be wrestling in prayer. We've got a lot of things to be praying about. We have the European Missions Conference coming up. We need to be praying about that. We have several sisters in the church that are pregnant. We need to be praying for those pregnancies. We have uh, our brother Blaze who's traveling, and of course he's gone over to Africa, and uh, he's, he's brought back a, a good report. I, I, I won't steal the show right there. But we need to be praying for all the brothers that are going all around the world to preach the word. And we need to be praying for each other right here. you got to ask yourself, have you prayed for your brothers and sisters, even this morning? Were you praying for your brothers? Were you wrestling in prayer? 
for your brothers and your sisters. We got to always rely on God through prayer. We got to always rely on God, not only in prayer, but by getting into the Bible. We're going to look at a guy this morning that we're hopefully going to glean some great insight from. His name is Josiah. Turn over to 2 Kings chapter 22. Always relying on God. We got to dust that, get that dust off our Bibles in the morning and make sure we're in the Word of God as well. You know, there's a story of a lady who was, uh, she's trying to impress her preacher. And of course, the preacher had a custom. He would always go to each one of his members' house to see if they were living it out and not just laying it on out. And so he goes to her house and he shows up one day and, and you know, making that house call. And, you know, the lady opens the door. Oh, pastor, come on in. Big smile on her face and everything. And give me a moment. She fixes something, makes him a tea and everything. And they sit down and, and he gets ready to have a little conversation with her. And she, and, and, and he says, uh, you know, sister so-and-so, well, I'd love to have a talk with you about what, 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 what always is going on here in the house. Oh, wow. I'll tell you what's up. Honey, and she calls her little kid on over. Honey, come here. Go get that book that mommy's always reading. Go get that book that mommy's always just digging on it. Go, go, go grab that book. So little, little, her, her child just goes, oh, okay. Takes off running and comes back with a Mark and Spencer catalog. And it just highlighted where she was at. That she's always shopping. She's always in the catalog. I know none of our sisters here in the congregation are always doing that. I know for a fact that isn't the case. I know we're always turning to the word of God. 2 Kings chapter 23. Josiah. This guy was incredible. His name means healed by God or supported by God, reliant on God. So if we're going to find out how to rely on him always, we need to make sure we find a man who was named after that, Josiah. Now, Josiah, just to give you a quick background, he had a rough upbringing. His father was one of the evil kings uh, in the book of Kings that led before him. And the Bible just says his father was very idolatrous and very wicked. Yet Josiah becomes an incredible leader for God's people. So it highlights that it doesn't matter how you were raised. It matters about you seeking God with all your heart. And of course this preaches to me. I was abandoned at the age of 14. I never knew who my father was. And yet the small little bits and pieces about God that my mom and those around me told me about stuck into my heart. This was Josiah. He didn't blame his upbringing on where he was at. And God used him to deliver the, the people. The other thing we learn is that he's young. I mean, this is a guy that, that starts out leading at eight years old. And you say, who's that remind you of? Well, it reminds me of my son, Michael Adrian. We were coming home from uh, going to see his new school. And, uh, you know, little Michael Adrian, he just says, he pulls us aside and he says, you know, mom, uh, I, I want to talk to you about some things. You know, that, that right there that I saw was, I saw something that was very impure. Just want to let you know that, mom. <laughs> Me and Michelle look at each other and go, wow. We didn't see that. Yet him, as an eight-year-old, noticed it. And we're going to find out that Josiah, he began walking with the Lord even at that age. I mean, do you believe your kids can start walking with God at that age? You think it starts when they get 15, 12 years old? No, no, it starts at a very young age. And yet we also learn that God always uses young people to do some of the most incredible miracles in the Bible. Of course, Joseph, was he had the dream when he was a young man. 
and he was the guy who wound up delivering all his brothers. David slew Goliath. He was only 15 years old. Samuel, the Lord started speaking to Samuel when he was young. And of course, we are fired up at our young people in the church. More specifically, I'm fired up that last week we had an incredible miracle and we had Simone baptized into Christ, our first kingdom kid. Chapter 22. Verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedediah, daughter of Adai. She was from Bozak. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not mourning aside to the right or to the left. I love that little note right there. The Bible gives note to his spiritual father, not the guy that was right above him. His father David. See, he saw David as his real father because David was the one who unified the northern tribes and the southern tribes and unified Israel. You guys with me there? Yeah. See, your spiritual father can be your real father. Yeah. It doesn't have to be your, your physical father who may not walk in the ways of the Lord. In the 18th year of the reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, the son of Aziliah, the son of Missalem, to the temple of the Lord. He says, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust to them the men appointed to supervise the work of the temple, and have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, the masons. Also have them purchase timber, dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them, because they are acting faithfully. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. Amen. I mean, this guy literally goes to church and goes, I found the Bible. Uh, now, at this particular time, it would have been a Pentateuch. It would have been the first five books. But it highlights that there was no true preaching in the temple. The word of God wasn't in the temple. And the word of God is not in a lot of churches. Yes. Because the word of God is the Holy Bible. Not the book of Mormon. Yeah. Not some doctrine based on the Bible, but the Holy Bible. Are you with me right here? Yeah. And right here they find the Bible. Then Shaving the secretary went to the king and reported to him. Your officials have paid out the money. That was in the temple of the Lord. And I've entrusted it to the workers and have supervised the temple. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me the book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robe and the church said, I mean the king just goes, oh my God. He reads the Bible and understands that there's a message in the Bible. And of course this was a message of judgment because what had happened is God's people had been divided. You had the 10 northern tribes that made up what was called Israel. That was the majority of God's people. Then you had the two southern tribes, Benjamin and Judah. And of course, the 10 northern tribes, of course, they had a lot of money and success and so on and so forth. But over the course of time, they were totally decimated. Well, at the particular point when this was written, the 10 northern tribes had been decimated. They stopped being sold out disciples. And over the course of time, they were decimated. And what God was saying is, He's not only decimated, decimated the northern tribes, he will decimate the southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And of course, he was in Benjamin, or Judah at this particular time. So it was a message of judgment. And he read that, wow, just like the northern tribes were just, just 
totally taken out, we can be taken out as well. And it made him tear his robe when he heard the word of the Lord. And of course, Joel chapter 2 verse 13 says, Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. And so right here, he was rending his heart. He tore his robe to show that his heart was cut by what he read in the Bible. Of course, we understand if your heart's not cut by reading the Bible, how soft a heart do you have? Or how hard a heart do you have? Of course, we talked about relying on God last week. But the question I asked myself when I read this is, do I tear my robe when I wake up in the morning and read my Bible and have my quiet time? Do you tear your robe? I mean, even this morning, did you have a quiet time that made you go, oh my God, I'm so proud. Oh my God, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so impure. I lust so much. I'm so idolatrous. I, I kept constantly thinking about who I'm going to marry, who I'm going to marry. I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm married to God. I mean, do you have quiet times that make you tear your robe when you hear the word of God preached to you? It isn't just on Sunday morning. We don't believe in that church, do we? We believe the word of God should be preached every day, starting with your quiet time. And it may start off quiet, but when you have a good quiet time, it gets a little loud in the heart right there. You hear some things going on in, 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 in the heart. You hear some rattling going on right there. How was your quiet time? How was your prayer time? Does it make you tear your robe? Verse 12. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the high priest. Ahinam, son of Shaphan. Achor, the son of Micaiah. Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire the Lord for me. And for all the people in all of Judah about what is written in the book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Verse 15. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says, I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and have provoked me to anger by the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard. I mean, that's a pretty shaky, that, that'll stir you up in the morning right there. You hear that message because your heart was responsive. Check out Josiah's heart. It says your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord. When you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they will become accursed and laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I've heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took the answer back to the king. Wow. I mean, is this not incredible? He hears this incredible message of judgment and his response was that he humbled himself when he heard the word of God. When he heard that there was a judgment brought on not only him as the king but on all the people. He humbled himself. I would love to say this was my response when I read the Bible. 
that I read it and I, and I start to humble myself. But in fact, oftentimes I, I start to exalt myself. Oh, that's those people in the Bible. <laughs> oh, that's the, oh, I'm, I'm so right with God. I'm so awesome. I'm so saved. Yet there was a time when someone sat me down and taught me that although I had a lot of religiosity in my life, I was not a Christian, according to what the Bible teaches. Because the Bible says that the word Christian, Jesus never made a Christian. Jesus made disciples. So if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, you got to know what it means to be a disciple. And if you don't even know what it means to be a Christian, if you don't even know what it means to be a disciple, how can you be something that you don't know? How can you call yourself a footballer if you don't know the rules of the game? Yes, I'm a footballer. What's a handball? I'll get back to you on that right there. My preacher knows. No, 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 no. We got to know. And I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I, and, I, and I didn't tear my robe. I didn't humble myself. I got angry at those who showed me the word of God. And, and, and I stormed out. It's kind of like getting that bill in the mail. You weren't expecting that. And then, of course, you get mad at the mailman for giving you a bill. You ever, you ever been there before? You know, in, in the United States, they give you these incredible, when they send a bill to you, they're very creative. They send it in these packages that look like paychecks. And so you can get this, oh, wow, I must have had, someone must have given me a paycheck. And, oh, and it's a collection bill right there. And you open it up, and, oh, great. And you want to get mad at the mailman. Well, you can't get mad at the mailman for delivering the message. He's just delivering the message. And yet I did. I did. And I'm so grateful today that so many disciples, so many of my friends have put up with that. And, 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 and they, they, they helped me become a true Christian. You may be visiting today. You may hear something that makes you tear your robe. My challenge is for you to humble yourself. My challenge is for you to have the heart of Josiah, one of the greatest kings of all the kings, to humble himself. Now, this isn't just applied to somebody who's been, this, this can be applied to any member in the church. That you may hear something and go, ooh. But the response here that God, that God honored was that he humbled himself before the Lord. Chapter 23. What did he do after he heard the word? Verse 23, verse 1. It says, Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He gets some help right there. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. I mean, he doesn't show favoritism. He calls them all to be sold out. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which he had found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, regulations, decrees, with all his heart, all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in the book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. I mean, the king says, I'm all in. I'm all in. And he read those words. And what did it produce? It produced a people that were all in. Come on. So when the king is all in, it should produce people that are all in. So when the people aren't all in, woo, maybe you're not the people of God. See, right here, the king was the man of God. He was all in. The people were the people of God. So if, if, if you're not all in, are you the people of God? If you're not willing to call people to be all in, are you a man of God? We see right here, Josiah was a man of God. He was all in. And the response of the people is that they were all in. They didn't have quiet reservations, whispering. No, they said, we're, we're all in with you, brother. We're with you. Are you with me here, church? 
Let's keep going here. Verse 4. The king ordered Hilkiah the high priest and the priest next in rank and the doorkeepers to remove the temple of the Lord and all the articles made for Baal and Asherah. What was Asherah? She was a sex goddess. They had an Asherah pole in the church. What was an Asherah pole? It was a phallic symbol. The symbol of the male reproductive organ that they were worshiping. They literally worshiped sex. And yet we live in a culture that worships sex. We live in a time where sex is worshiped. Sadly. And he deals with all this sin that was in the church. All the story hosts. He burned them outside of Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the pagan priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those, those around Jerusalem. Those who burn incense to Baal, to the sun and the moon, to the constellations, and to all the starry hosts, he took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside of Jerusalem and burned it there. He ground it to powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. He tore down the altars. He tore down the quarters of male shrine prostitutes which were in the temple of the Lord and where women did weaving for Asherah. I mean, you had, you, had, you had homosexuality in the church. You know, it's sad. I read an article this weekend about how proud this church was about embracing homosexuality. And I just read about the preacher's gallant effort to embrace homosexuality. Who are we to judge? Yet we make judgments every day. You made a judgment. That's the, the, where you want to live. You didn't just, you said, nah, I want to live here. <laughs> we use judgment on uh, every day. You make you're going to make a judgment this afternoon. Where am I going to have something to eat? Am I going to go over here to the kebab shop or am I going to go over here? Yet we live in a time where people don't, let's not make a judgment. And yet we know that our judgment is to be made by the word of God. By the word of God. He deals with this impurity that was in the church. This false teaching that homosexuality is okay. And of course the women were right along there weaving garments to this pagan wicked king. Verse 8. Josiah brought all the priests from the towns of Judah and desecrated the high places from Gibeah to Beersheba where the priests had burned incense. He broke down the shrines at the gates at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the city governor, which is on the left city gate. Although the priests of the high place did not serve at the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, they were unleavened, they ate unleavened bread with their fellow priests. He desecrated Topeth, which in the valley, which was in the valley of Ben Hinnon. So no one could use it to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire to Moloch. I mean, they were sacrificing kids. And we hear about that, we go, that isn't going on nowadays. Yeah, this is called human trafficking. It's called abortion. That's murder. And yet, I was such an evil man before I become a Christian, I'll never forget convincing one of my girlfriends to have an abortion, to sacrifice that child. Now, I got a chance to hear Obama's speech. Of course, being from America, I had, to, I had to see what he had to say about the new president. And he shared about how awesome it was that we give everyone, the woman the right to control, control her body. Well, number one, it's God's. It's not her body. You're, you're, you're bought at a price. The Bible says. Jesus owns us. All authority in heaven isn't given to a woman. All authority in heaven is given to God. So the authority goes to heaven. And I just saw him sharing that and I thought, wow. 
he's opening up the floodgates to, to really promote sacrificing kids. And yet if I would have been sacrificed, aborted, I wouldn't be here today. I'm grateful that just for the life that I have and that my mom loved me enough to keep me. And yet we can think these principles don't apply. They apply right now. There's a young girl right now thinking about sacrificing that child. There's a young man right now that doesn't want to be a father thinking about sacrificing that child. And yet we see that this was wicked in the eyes of God here in the Old Testament. Of course, he deals with all the sin. And what happens in verse 21? The king gave orders to all the people, celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in the book of the covenant. Not since the days of the judges who led Israel, nor throughout the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18 years of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. See, in the New Testament they want you celebrating, and in the Old Testament they want you celebrating. And he celebrated the with the people, the Passover. What was the Passover? When they came out of Egypt, okay, they were saved out of the hand of, of Pharaoh. And what God had said is that when the death angel comes on you, that comes flying over, because you've been saved, I'm going to allow, I'm gonna, I want you to put blood over the door frames of your house. See, God was setting up Jesus Christ and the blood that cleanses us from sin. And what God told the Israelites is put that blood over the door frame so when the death angel comes, instead of you being taken out by the death angel, he will pass over you and keep going to those who are not saved, who are not Christians, who are not true Israelites. Are you guys with me here? And, he'll, and, and they celebrated that. This was like communion. This was like communion. That's what we do when we take communion. We celebrate the fact that when Jesus comes to judge the earth, we will be with him in heaven. Amen? Amen. We respect it. Right here, they hadn't celebrated the Passover for, when you look at it historically, about 700 years. They hadn't celebrated. That's how long it had been since someone brought revival to God's people. And yet we see that it was just one man, Josiah, who heard the Bible and put it into practice that brought revival. Do you realize that you can be the one woman, the one man to bring revival? To bring revival to another nation. London holds the keys to a lot of cities. I look around, I see Ghana here. I look around, I see Portugal. I see my, bro my, my, my brother Atimio right there. I see Portugal right there. I see Nigeria here. I see Ireland here. I see so many nations. I see England here, amen? And you got the worst of all, you got a few Americans that are here, amen? Hillary's with me on that. One man saved a nation. Are you that one man? Are you that one woman? Always relying on God. Bringing victory to God's people. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 15. Number two. Only got a couple and we're finished here. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh oh. Did I say second? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're in first. Yeah. 
Yep, I'm sorry about that. First Corinthians. He says this, starting in verse 50. He says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you the mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of a lie, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. For the perishable clothes itself with the imperishable and immortable with immortality. When the imperishable has seen clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And the church said, I mean, right here, he says, don't, don't, get, don't, get, don't get pulled aside. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? To save souls. To build a church. To give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. You got to always be reliable. You got to always come to church. You got to always share your faith. You got to always confess your sin. But then you got to always repent. See, it's one thing to confess. It's a total another thing to actually repent. I'm trying. <laughs> we got to always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. You know, it's so awesome when you look at what is happening around the world. There's a lot of work going into building all of our churches. And you know, one of the things that really has impressed me about what God is doing in our churches is, of course, this last week in Los Angeles, we just got through announce, uh, uh, announcing through a lot of hard work, a lot of prayer, a lot of uh, documents and all these types of legal things that we had to put in place. But we finally secured the ICCM, which will be the movement's new international Christian college ministry that has actually been, that's actually been started. Chris Adams, of course, he went to Yale University. He's going to be the vice president of our new movement Bible college. So there's a Bible college for the movement right there, guys. Amen. Of course, the vision of the movement is not only to have one in Los Angeles, California, but to have this ministry uh, and this college in Paris, France. Uh, and then, of course, London, England. London, England. What will the ministry offer? What will the college offer? Of course, it'll offer a bachelor's degree, but it also will offer a master's degree. We've finally gotten the accreditation where we are noted as a, a, a college now. So I go, wow, that, it took a lot of work, but we're always giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And that's what's going on over there, right there. Amen. But we always have to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, even when it, when it comes to evangelism. You know, one of the churches that I'm, uh, uh, one of the regions in Los Angeles I'm, I'm so proud of, it's the Ventura region. Now, last week, we, we shared about how Ventura had so many visitors on out to their Bible talk. Well, what happened this week? 
Five disciples had 27 visitors come on out to their Bible talk. You hear that, James? Not nine, but 27. That happened last week. That happened this week. Why? Because they're always giving themselves fully to the work of the Lord. Each time you read the good news email about Los Angeles, they're always baptizing someone. In fact, last week they had five baptisms and two restorations right there. Just always giving themselves fully to the work of the Lord. And let me tell you something, there are things that stop you from wanting to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. There are things that stop you. And of course, I was proud of the church. Just last week, having three additions here in the church. Having our sister Mimi get baptized right there. Seeing our first kingdom kid right there, baptized with Simone right there. And of course, seeing the Lithuanian warrior right there, Oleg getting baptized right there. But you know what? The work doesn't stop there. We got to continue giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Have you been giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord? I want to see another, and I know you have my brother, Nick, 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 I have, (laughs) I love Nick, I have brother, (laughs) I think he wants to give some more of his heart to the Lord, (laughs) but you got to ask yourself today, because as I look around, I know some of us, I don't remember seeing at that evangelism campaign, I don't remember seeing in some of those Bible studies, And you know what happens when you're not helping someone become a Christian? You forget how amazing it is to see the scriptures come alive in someone's life. You forget that someone can actually come to faith. From not believing in God to actually becoming a Christian, a sold out Christian. You forget that. You know, this week I had a great time uh, sitting down in in the mall after sharing my faith. And I was sitting there and honestly I was just trying to have my quiet time. And I was was kind of struggling a little bit. And I was like, man, a few things that happened that I was wrestling with. And and, uh, I was sitting right next to uh, the food court in Stratford. And of course I had forgotten that our brother Jamal was working there. And uh, you know how Jamal is. I mean, he's just super humble, Jamal. He just, he just, he just comes like this here. And, and I was sitting there, and, and then I hear this little voice say, Michael. And I thought it was God. I was like, oh, my goodness. The Lord sees me. I was like, in the middle of the mall, people going everywhere. Michael. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I, and I, oh, and I look over. It's Jamal. And he goes, and that, I tell you, how are you doing? And, you know, I, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine, Jamal. Doing great. He goes, maybe I should give you something to eat. No, Jamal. I give you something to eat. Just wait. So he goes and he brings me a drink and he brings me some food. And, 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 I, and I just cut my heart. I started crying. Because Jamal was someone who didn't even believe in God. Jamal was homeless. He was on the street. And yet here he is with a smile on his face. Doing the work of the Lord without even realizing it. Sold out disciple. Do you believe atheists can become Christians? Or have you gotten sucked in? Do you believe people can become disciples? Who, who, who never even knew the Bible? Do you believe you can help someone become a Christian? Do you believe that? We've got to always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. You guys with me here, church? We've got to always preach the word. First Peter chapter 3. Always preach the word. 
First Peter. Chapter 3. I think I got this one right. Verse 15. He says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with harshness. That's the book of second opinions, right? Do this with arrogance. Waiting to finish their sentence before they do. Do this with cowardice. Well, I, I just, can I share with um, can I? No, it didn't say that. The Bible says the cowardly won't even go to heaven. I mean, you can't be a coward and a Christian. That's what Jesus said. Jesus says, I died on a cross. That's a good enough example for you. I died on a cross. I didn't come off the cross and have a smoke break. I had to tell a woman that. Jesus didn't smoke. Jesus would not smoke. Where is it in the Bible? Jesus did not come off the cross to take a cigarette smoke break. That's impurity. It's wrong. I, I, I appreciate what you share, but I, I had to share that with her in gentleness. He says, do this with gentleness and respect. Always preach the word. Are you willing to always preach the word? Nick is. How about the rest of us? Are you, are you willing to always preach? Are you willing to always give an answer? Are you willing to give an answer to your friends at college? As to why you're a sold out disciple. You willing to give that answer? Or you duck around it? Are you willing to tell your parents why you became a sold out disciple? And why you go to this church? Are you willing to do that? Not with arrogance and pride, but being honest. I'm talking about confessing your sin to your parents. I want to talk to some of us that are young here in the, in the fellowship. Some of us that don't have family members that are in the church. That aren't as blessed as uh, 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 an Enia Megby and, a, and, a, and, a, and, and, and my sister here. Some of us that have family members that are not in the church. Are you really preaching to your family? With love. Showing them that you're a true disciple. By encouraging them. By serving them. By building them up. By confessing who you, the, the dark secrets that they didn't even know about. See, a lot of times, people don't see you change your family. Your family's got to see a change. You go tell your family all your sin. And then share with them why you're part of it. Well, see, here's the reason why, Mom, I'm a part of church, the London Church. Because, see, first of all, let me tell you about all the lies I told you. Let me tell you about... How much time I spent looking at internet pornography. I know, I know this hurts, but let me tell you. I'm a Christian and I've got to fear God more than you. I love you, but I've got to be honest with you. I mean, our preacher lays it out every Sunday. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't pull any punches. He tells everything about his life to the congregation. Far be it from me not to tell everything to the mother, the, 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 the dad who raised me. This is who I was. In fact, this is what I did just last week. And why I'm a part of the London National Christian Church is because they get in there and they're always discipling me. Amen. Look here, Mom. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Teach them to obey. Look here, Dad. Teach them to obey. See, I always get discipling now. And it's going to help me to be a better 
daughter to you, better son to you, better brother to you, brother, sister to you. And that's why. That's why I have hope that I can overcome these things. Because I have friends. I have a church that has a vision that I haven't seen in any other. And I'm, that's why I'm always sharing my faith. That's why I'm always coming to meetings of the body. I want to stay close to God. It isn't because I have this religious commitment and I'm a robot and I always got to go on Sunday. No, I have a relationship with God. And if I didn't have a relationship with the people, it would hurt my walk with God. And now you know who I am. Really? Now you see why I'm so committed. Because they're the only ones who have helped me come out of those sins. That's preaching. Preaching isn't just open your Bible and just hammer somebody. That's giving a reason, as he says, for the hope that you have. That's being prepared to answer everyone. Everyone. Mother, brother, sister, workplace. Everyone being prepared to give a reason. You know, I I sit here and I preach this, but I tell you, there was a time where I chickened out with my boss. And this was before I went into the ministry. I was very afraid to tell him that I was a sold-out disciple. And I I knew kind of how the office was. And I knew what would happen if I said it. And so I came up with this creative way to to preach to him. Because he would always ask me. I didn't know that he had known I was a Christian. And and he saw me having my quiet times a few times. But he would always ask me these business questions. He'd bring me into the office. And this is the CEO of the company. Michael? I want you to look at the resume here of our vice president. Okay? And he showed me the vice president's resume. He owned that company, that company, and he's done this, 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 and this. Yet he's failing in this project. And he's been very, 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 very angry when I brought it up in our, in our meetings. And I know you're running the sales division. What should we do right there? What should we do? What's your opinion as to how we should handle this? And I'm just going, oh my goodness, I don't want to give that answer. I don't want to say anything. And he said, well, okay, let me ask you another question. I want to have this next meeting, and I really want to stick it to the, to the congregation, or to, not the congregation, but to the, to the workforce. I really want to tell them what they, what do you think we should do? He, he, I didn't know he was testing me, but he, he did it several times. And I said, well... A wise man once said that, um, (laughs) harsh words can stir up anger, but he who overlooks an insult is wise. And maybe it was a little insulting to you about how he went about things, but maybe as, as the leader of our great organization, maybe I would overlook this one and just, you know, maybe build him up. That's a great quote. Where'd you get that? don't worry about that. I'll send it to you later. He had me back in the office a week later asking me another question. I feel like I'm failing with the group. What should I do? Well, a wise man once said, love never fails. I quoted probably about five scriptures to him over the course of a few months before finally I said, he, he finally pressed me, where'd you get those, those quotes? I said, the Holy Bible. After that, there came a time where I was, every week I was having discipleship time with the CEO of the company. Where he was sitting me down and asking me for discipling. He read the five love languages and everything. He took it to his wife and read it. She read it. And it built my faith. I go, God, what am I doing? And so before, then I got bold. I was just preaching to my boss. Telling him the truth about, I'm a Christian man. 
I'm a Christian man. We have a relationship to this day. He's still watching. Wow. Proud of what you're doing. I know you gave up this company for what you're doing, but he's still watching to this day. Do you have the guts to preach the word to anybody? Your workplace, your boss, your friends, your family. They may even persecute you. Are you still willing to preach? You know, I got to lift up one of our, our, our greatest miracles here is, is uh, when, when we can pull on new interns. And I'm, I'm happy to announce that the London National Christian Church has a new intern. We have a new intern that's working for the church right here. Our sister Kia Pope. Let me tell you something. It, 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 it was, it was, it, it's not a smooth little sailing road right there. Kia's had to be prepared to preach in a few situations with family, with friends. Of course, if she hadn't preached, we wouldn't have Crank and Catherine sitting right next to her right there in the front row. They brought me to tears this week. I came out of the tube station and there's Kia and Catherine right there in Camden. They're just sharing their faith. They're going after it. I said, wow. Always preaching. These young girls. So special. And yet Kia is getting quite a heavy amount of persecution for her decision. Yet, she set Christ apart as Lord. She's always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, even family, for the hope that she has. And she does it with gentleness and respect. We need to always preach. Never back down from the word of God. Amen? That's our Bible study for today. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one